0: Hello and welcome to Inside Fingal, the podcast that gives you an insight into the work being done by the councillors and staff of Fingal County Council to make Fingal a better place to live, work, visit and do business in. My name is Gerry McDermott, I'm the Media and Communications Manager here at Fingal County Council and I hope you'll stay with me as we continue to inform you about the work of your local authority. Our guest today is Marion Brown, who is the Principal Sports Officer here in Fingal County Council, and she'll be talking to us shortly about the work of the Fingal Sports Office. But before we talk to Marion, let's go over to the Inside Fingal News Desk and get the latest update on what is happening in Fingal
1: from Fergal Maddock. £25.4 for projects associated with the rejuvenation of Balbriggan has been awarded under the Urban Regeneration Development Fund. The announcement was made by Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage, Dara O'Brien, in the North Fingal town. The funding will help realise eight projects under the Arbar Brigham Rejuvenation Plan by 2027. Fingal County Council will provide £8.5 million to complete the planned public realm improvements. The first phase, which is scheduled for completion by 2023, will involve the reimagining of the public realm at Key Street, the upgrading of the harbour area and the development of Arches studios and a digital innovation makerspace at Dublin Street. Fingal County Council is now progressing to the procurement of design teams for the public realm improvement projects. They will prepare plans for the development of the buildings and public realm areas for public consultation before construction commences. You can find out all the details at fingal.ie forward news. The first stage of public consultation on the new Fingal Development Plan 2023-2029 has now commenced. The preparation of the development plan is one of the most important functions of Fingal County Council, acting as a blueprint for the development of Fingal from a physical, economic, social and environmental viewpoint. An information booklet and a strategic issues paper has now been published. The strategic issues paper presents an overview of the strategic issues facing the county and sets out by theme some of the key issues that may need to be addressed by the new plan. The booklet and the issues paper are now available to view at fingal.ie forward slash development plan. Submissions at this stage can be made up until 12th of May and they can be made via our consultation portal consult.fingal.ie or by post to the development plan team, planning and strategic infrastructure department, Fingal County Council, County Hall, Main Street Swords, County Dublin, K67X8Y2
0: Thank you Fergal Fergal mentioned that work on the new Fingal development plan is due to start shortly and that's a topic we're going to be discussing in a future episode of the Inside Fingal podcast so keep an eye out for that In a few weeks' time, Marion Brown will retire from her position as the Principal Sports Officer of Fingal County Council, having spent 19 years working in the Fingal Sports Office. So I thought it would be a good idea to get Marion to join us on the Inside Fingal podcast to look back on those 19 years and talk about the many changes she has seen in that time. Marion, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Hi, Joey. Marion, you were there at the very beginning of the Fingal Sports Office back in 2002 when you joined as a Sports Development Officer What attracted you to the role?
2: (laughs) What attracted me to the role? I suppose um, I worked in Scaries Community Centre for 16 years prior to that. And um, I always kind of thought that um, that was one thing that was lacking was sports development um, officer or whatever, somebody that was the go-to person for, you know, sports and physical activity. And, you know, when I started in Scaries, there was no infrastructure. There was... um, I used to say it was uh, half a dozen men in suits sat around, you know, um, at conferences and stuff. What, You know, nobody to guide us. Like, what height is a basketball net? You know, who knows? You know, and it was all diff- very difficult to find stuff out. So I do remember meeting um, the director of services at the time, Senna Turnbull, in Fingal County Council Community Section, and he was looking at the centre. And I just said to him, would you ever, impl- would you ever think about employing sports development officers um, because I think you know, it would be great if there was somebody that we could go to that had the authority and knew, you know, just a go-to person. So that's where it all started, and um, I ended up in the job eventually.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and the council obviously saw a need for for a sports office. Would that have been their motivation that there was something missing?
2: I think so. I think, um, and I mean, I would always say that um, sport is a means of community development, and I firmly believe in the benefits of sport, um, with regards to community development. And I think if you look at community development, it's often done in, you know, in meeting rooms and um, behind closed doors, where the sport is um, a very physical and visual side of sports development, and um, it's everything from positive role models to leading by example it's about empowerment it's about i mean if you take for example you get a gang of kids playing football the parents are invariably going to be standing at the side of the on the sidelines and they start chatting about the rail service or how bad this is or how bad that is and often you will find that people will get together and start to address issues because of that The, the sport has actually broken down these barriers so um i firmly believe in the benefits both from a community development point of view and obviously the physical and emotional benefits of sport
0: I think that's a very good point because I think if you look at a lot of football clubs particularly or sports clubs even uh, grassroots sports clubs particularly when you when you trace back their roots their roots are usually back into a in, into a community that might have been formed out of a, a housing estate or or a street or something like that like really the roots of of a lot of certainly grassroots sports is in is in the community
2: yeah and you often find that um, the volunteers that are volunteer the volunteers that are volunteering but the volunteers that might be on the committee or whatever they're actually they may have gotten involved because their child um was involved when they were five, six, seven or ten year olds, you know, and now they're involved and their children are married and probably they've got their own children then. But so there is that whole volunteerism that is very often forgotten about because if you ask somebody if they volunteer, if they're involved in sport, they don't volunteer because it's part of what they do, you know. There's a massive movement of volunteerism in sport. And sport in Ireland would not survive um, without the volunteers. Um, and do you
0: think that that, that people recognise that, 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 that the, the people who matter, I suppose people in government and, and that recognise the, the, the importance of those volunteers and, and the fact that nothing could happen without them?
2: I think no, they do. I think no. I mean, I think sport was always low on the the government agenda because it was it was the nice thing it was the add on but i think especially our, our, um, after the pandemic you know and in um, current this current situation sport has got a new a new providence a new kind of um, level so i suppose in times gone by sport would have been the non essential services now sport Physical activity and wellbeing are way up on the government's agenda and have been for a number of years, even before before the pandemic. I suppose a point in case is the, the first ever sports policy, 10-year um, um, sports policy um, framework document. That's uh, that's that was huge at the time. It was the first time ever that a government had said, "Yeah, we need a framework for the development of sport and um, throughout the country." And also, they opened it up, and any person in the country could make a submission into this this policy. So the policy wasn't a, a group of um, government officials sitting around saying, this is, what we, this is what you need to do. This actually was going up to the people, going up to the volunteers, going up to the public and asking how they saw sh- um, sports shaping up in the next 10 years. And it's, it just shows you how things have changed so much.
0: Yes, and I I was looking at the uh, the government's uh, sports strategy, uh, which which is a ten year plan, and uh, I actually keyed in the words local authority, and I think it came up about over forty times, and and that was almost twice as many mentions as Olympics, and that so mm. it just shows you where they're placing the importance on it.
2: And I think it is. And when I started in the job, and still to this day, you sometimes you'd get people saying, "The local authority involved in sport, why is that?" You know, and then when you kind of get down to it. It has to be, you know, we're not only the local authority, isn't only the provider of roads and, and um, libraries. And so there has to be, you know, sport is, as I said, is part of community development. So we build houses. So then we have to build communities after building houses. And that's where the sports office and sports activities come along. You know, it's it's uh, part, it should be part and parcel of what the local authority does.
0: Can I take you back to 2002? What was the landscape like in, in Fingal back then?
2: we had a very small sports office to start with. Sport was determined probably mainly by clubs and a lot of clubs were, um, while they were well organised within themselves perhaps, but there was no kind of development strategy, there was no... It just I think clubs grew organically and they just happened. There was no governance. There was even I remember when we introduced the topic of safeguarding, well, it was code of ethics at the time and um children's safety. There was a great fear there that, oh my God, this is this is an awful lot of work for volunteers and how can we do it? Now it's part and parcel of the clubs because it's absolutely necessary and um it pays dividend in the long run for protection of everybody. So I suppose sport was very much very much smaller. It was dependent, predominated by team games and dare I say, predominated by men. Um, There was very um, few women in sport. And certainly I said at the beginning about, you know, when I was in the community center going to um, seminars and it was all men in suits. And it was very much still men at the top, um, men coaches, men, you know, men committees and very little it wasn't that women were disregarded. It just they didn't seem to have a place within sport in the community. Thank God that's changed.
0: And I, and I suppose, too, women wouldn't have seen sport as being a career path for themselves.
2: Absolutely not. They wouldn't even have seen it as um, a participation. You know, yeah, kids got involved in sport at a young level. They played football um, or they played whatever, cricket, you know, did athletics. But there was a certain stage where it was accepted that, oh, well, girls won't get involved. And it was, you know, there was so many reasons. It was having to do with no role models for one thing. And then even just in schools, the particularly secondary, secondary schools, the insistence that um, girls either wore very short gym skirts or shorts you know so girls of 13 to 15 16 they're very body aware and they weren't really keen on getting involved in this that they had to actually kind of show off their bodies if you like they were much keener on just hiding the sidelines you know but thankfully as I say things have changed and there's a greater acceptance and girls can actually in some areas compete in a level playing field with boys you know and not maybe not on the field but definitely with regards to coaching and committee skills and um, everything else that goes with sport Um, because it's not just sport isn't just playing on the the field or the pitch there's an awful lot more involved in it and obviously as well we're you know I'm talking about sport but there's a whole physical activity um, and well-being as well comes into that now you know
0: yeah. And and I suppose one of the good things about the the, the um, improvement in women's sport is, is that we now have role models and you know, you look at any sport and, and there's a fingal role model there performing at at the highest level.
2: And I mean, even if you look at our own um our own sports team, Sharon Boyle is the FEI um develop one of our FEI development officers, and she was the first woman in Ireland to get a UEFA B licence. Um she also coached the under sixteens Ireland team, you know, not to say that the others, but but to get a woman to at that level was just phenomenal. And we have Sharon there and actually just um we've done I think we've still got some to do, but we've been doing a, a webinar series of women in sport and it's focusing on coaching and it's you know how girls can and women can approach coaching as as either a career or even just as a volunteer and we're actually and the big evidence and we keep looking at it is all the top coaches are men you know and for many years even if you look at the ireland football team that was a man that was coaching now with vera Powell. but before that so things are changing and we've got some wonderful coaches in other sports basketball badminton whatever and the landscape is changing dramatically and i suppose the emergence of um GEA, you know, ladies GEA, um, the emergence of girls rugby, women's football is all, you know, it's, it's just, it's helping the development of, um, you know, of, of, of the women's side of the game.
0: How has the role of the sports office evolved over the years?
2: we started off with just a couple of people we've now 19 a staff team of 19 that's that's including our various different partners but um we we would pride ourselves in doing trying to give opportunities for sports activity for everyone from the very youngest to the very oldest and everyone in between but one of our keys is um is sustainability so it's about we could deliver programs in to schools tomorrow and we could deliver every day, every week, but we don't want to do that. So now most of our programs have a teaching or education element. So if we go into a school, we end up teaching the teacher how to deliver a program. If we're in clubs, we're trying to empower clubs to get on the coaching ladder, to to start coaching and um, by encouraging coach education sessions or whatever. So it's all about being able to you know, stand on your own two feet. That community development word of empowerment of giving the people the the um, authority for themselves. You know.
0: Yeah, and I, and I suppose it's it's a bit like being a disciple. You, you're spreading the you're spreading the gospel and getting others to 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 pick it up and and run and run with it.
2: Oh, very much so. Very much. Um, at first, I suppose we were you know we were delivering um, programs and stuff, and that was because you know, the sport was new and it was it was kind of nobody. You know, we didn't know how the thing was going to develop, but very, very early days, we realised that if we we're going to deliver, we'll keep delivering forever. And I always remember <laughs> the director of services at the time when I started. He says to me two things. He says, "If I see awareness tracks, I'm going to sack you," and he says, "You should be doing yourself out of a job." So basically, you should be educating people to move on. And I think that's what we've done. And I think. Over the, the 19 years, we have seen a huge and dramatic transfer and shift from how sport looked at the time with clubs and teams into now how it's, how it's evolved and how, you know, the demands. And we see people come and looking for support or um, say, for example, about five years ago, we put the first ever synthetic run up in a public park for cricket. And that that was new and different, but that that was kind of adjusting to adapting to the needs of the, the community. So all the time we have to ad- adapt to the needs of the community, whether it be in the programs we deliver in schools, whether it be through sports clubs, whether it be physical activity. Um, and I think since, since last year, we've seen a huge change in the emphasis from team sports to physical activity to walking to cycling and um there's a, a huge new, um, interest in open water swimming and that's all due to the 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 pandemic i think that's how we're going to go forward we're going to go forward with more emphasis on physical activity and well-being maybe more individual sports than team sports but team sports and clubs will always be there and volunteers are always absolutely 100 percent behind and needed in these clubs as well
0: and i suppose the the people that get involved in the team sports are are committed and they're interested in that and I, i i think it from what you're saying there is is part of your job is to get the individual out you know that, that that isn't involved in clubs or team sports and that but, but to get them out and involved in, in physical activity
2: Yeah and I think I think one of the programmes we delivered in schools sports conditioning we've been delivering that for the last 14 years I think and that's about Getting, um, you know, teaching kids the fundamental of sports. So we started off looking at, you know, you'd look at sports, throw and run and catch and um, hop and skip. And at what has actually transpired is yeah, these are really, really essential. But given the, the big thing for me is it's actually allowing kids to achieve at their own level. So it doesn't matter. Not everybody's going to be on the premier football team or, or an athletic in the Olympics, but that doesn't matter. It's about being able to achieve at your own level and um, being happy that you can. So I think through the, the 14 years d- delivering SportsCon, we've seen young people you know who have maybe participated in sport and physical activity, dropped up for a couple of years for whatever reason, but they have the skills or they have the confidence, and I think it's more about confidence to go back. So maybe if if somebody drops up for whatever reason, say kids traditionally drop up around leaving cert year or whatever. And maybe in their 20s they want to go back. They have the skills. They know that they can run, they know they can catch a ball. And it gives them the basic fundamental skills to keep going into into new sports in the future you know and i think confidence and skills are really really key to to um physical activity
0: you know and i suppose having them being delivered by expert coaches like those that you have in your team in the in the uh, sports office is very important because i I think when they talk about fundamentals, they emphasize fun in fundamentals.
2: It is. It is fundamentals. It's fun in capital letters and the rest. But uh, the, also the, the additional thing is, apart from, you know, we, we would hear, you know, you'd go to events, say, um, primary school athletics, and it's not, they don't say, oh, and Steve and Kieran no. They'd say, oh, there's Mr. Sports Conditioning, their sports conditioning coach, you know. They have that that huge respect for them. And... I I think the second level and I was saying about teaching the teachers and it's about teaching, it's about teaching the teachers the fun end of things as well, not just that it's a serious, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, school is very serious and you know you have to do your lessons and whatever else but when it comes to physical activity, if you don't have fun, if you don't have Um, that whole being able to achieve at your own level if it's too competitive based kids are not or anybody nobody wants to get involved in it whether adult or child you know you really just want to participate for for the fun and enjoyment and what you get out of it yourself so I was never the most sportiest person and it doesn't I I never want to be able to be the first across the line but I do want to be able to walk or run or do what I can and to to do my own thing, so it's not always about being the best at everything
0: no, but there is a level there for everybody to to participate mm, absolute, in, whether it 's as absolutely. an individual or as a as a team member yeah. mm. um one thing that 's always struck me about the uh fingal sports office is that it's very innovative um it 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 always seems to be at the cutting edge and and it's its initiatives tend to be picked up and and rolled out right across the country and you know there's things i 'm thinking of that come just to mind like marathon kids like. The football development officers and and even the the ty football course as well they, they've they all been pretty innovative uh, schemes
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i think and i think that's a testament to fingal county council really because fingal county council has always right john from the the chief executive to the directors of service have been willing to take to, to see themselves out there and to take that chance to to actually say okay well let's try it and sure look if it works it works if it if it doesn't work, we learn from it and we move on anyway. But you're so right, because um, Fingal was the first, we were the first county council to take on development officers way back. I think that's about 12 or 13 years ago now. And the first development, you know, the first council to take on a lot of roles within sport. And um it's just, it, it kind of grows from time to time. And You'd see now that sport is really accepted. I mean, the county councillors love what we do as well, and they would be inviting us along to look at sport because, at the end of the day, you know, sport is the the um, it is a catalyst for things happening. You know, and um, I suppose the the success of it isn't done to me by far. It's done to the young innovative team I have there who are out working on the ground. And they see what the needs are. They see that there's a need for the development of women's sport or the development of um, social inclusion sports or, or whatever. So they, they address the needs on the ground. And then between us, we come up with the plans and the programmes and whatever else. So, um, and it definitely is um, it's teamwork and it's... it's Everybody, it's all joined up thinking, you know, and with regards to the team, you know.
0: I think you touched on something there about the ability of sport to break down barriers. And, you know, you mentioned cricket. And I'm thinking, you know, with the way the population of Fingal has changed over the years, like the population has doubled over the 25, 25, Mm -hmm. 26 years Mm -hmm. um, since Fingal County Council was formed. Mm -hmm. But like... Well, you have new communities coming in, and you know Fingal is a big cricket area, and suddenly there's a sport there that they know and and recognise, and and it can be used to to bridge bridge the divide between between different communities.
2: Oh, abs- absolutely! You know, uh, whether it's through schools or um, with the clubs, but it definitely does break down that barrier in in many shapes and forms, and. Uh, I suppose cricket is one of the examples, but there's so many, you know, you you get a gang of 10 adults, say, for example, or children who don't have English as a first language. You throw a football into the middle of them and they will kick ball. They don't need to be able to talk to each other, don't need to communicate. So, you know, that's breaking down barriers and introducing inclusion as well from the very, very start. So it does, and particularly around new communities. I mean, we've we've seen a, a huge increase in basketball lately because that's that's um, our new communities play basketball. As you said so rightly says cricket as well, um, football, and we're introducing a lot of the new communities to sports. You know the traditional GA sports as well. So it's a, it's a whole gambit.
0: And and it's not just new communities. It's 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 also, um, you know, the one thing I would have seen over the nineteen years of the of the Fingal Sports Office is is the rise in disabled sport. In in that you know it's it's now sport not just for able-bodied people but for disabled people, and disabled people can compete at a very high level.
2: Uh, that, that's true. And I suppose um, in the very early days, we, it took us all our time to get our heads around sports development. But then the the lads started looking at, if if we are delivering sports conditioning in primary schools, why can't we deliver it to children with special needs as well? Or why can't we deliver it to, to children and adults with physical um, disabilities? Um, so sports conditioning became the mainstay of an awful lot of programmes um, for people with disabilities. But um, we've branched it an awful lot since then. Um, we have our own social inclusion development officer um, who's working, David Daly. He's working with all the, the groups and um, he's delivering training, inclusive training to sports clubs so that sports clubs are able to invite people in with disabilities on, an, on a level playing field, if you like. We have one of our big, an awful lot of our programmes lately are centred around cycling. So we've um, recently, uh, there's a picture I absolutely loved and it was eight children on bikes that we had. um, We were lucky enough to get some funding for through dormant accounts. And um, they were, so the, the kids had the bikes in St Michael's house in their schools and every day, the teacher, we trained the teacher how to deliver the programme and every day they got access to cycling for 20 minutes, half an hour in their own schoolyard and it was absolutely fantastic so these kids are on, they're, they're able to kind of talk about when they go home, they're able to talk about cycling their bike or whatever and it's just, it's given children and young people um, an opportunity to, to be like their peers if you like, to be part of the community and to feel that because they, the, their disability isn't inhibiting them in sport because they can participate in some shape or
0: form is there anything else that the sports office has done over the last nineteen years that gives you particular satisfaction?
2: Oh my God, where would you start? There's so <laughs> much. There's so yes. much. Um, I like. I mean, the disability, the the you know, the programs for people with disabilities amazing. The development of women's women in sport has just gone through the roof. Our you know, festival of women's football on an annual basis is phenomenal. And um, sports conditioning, I absolutely, I think it should be rolled in every primary school um, in Ireland. But um, it. It's just the fact that children can achieve at their own level. Um, I suppose if you ask me my favourite event, my favourite event would be the primary school athletics, where we have about fifteen hundred kids. Um one day in May um they all congregate and um in Martin Stadium and they participate in a range of races dependent on age and ability, and they all race for their school. Nobody runs for themselves. So you have the child who never has been at a stadium before running alongside the athlete that's in the the athletic club and is really, really good, but they're not running for themselves. They're running for their school. And that, that pride, that that sense of achievement is palpable. It's amazing. It's just fantastic. It just, words can't actually put into, you know, I can't put into words how how wonderful it is to see these children, you know. Um, yeah. And then you look at the other end of things and you have our, some of our older adult programme, um, you know, Nordic Walk and Older Adult Swim, you just need to say um, we have a program and the phones are hopping because people absolutely want to, to get involved. And, you know, we get the phone calls from people um, involved in the program. Oh, that's brilliant. I haven't, you know, I was on the list for a hip transplant, but I've been able to put it off a little while because I'm still able to exercise or the exercise is doing me good. Or, you know, can you include this person because they're very lonely and they need something, you know? So it's it. you're, you're hitting every every age group and every Every um, every sector, I don't know. What, sorry, I digress from the there,
0: Jerry. Sorry. I <laughs> know, oh, no, but I, I can I can understand uh, how hard it is to, for you to answer a question like that because th- there's been so much achieved over over that length of time, and there's so many, you know, like like even just every little thing I suppose that you and your team do, does every day. Brings a smile to somebody's face, and I'm sure there must be great satisfaction in that.
2: Oh, there is absolutely no doubt, and I, I, we don't say enough. But the work we do does change people's lives. It does change people's lives, um, whether it's um, adults were um, that. We, we we've done uh, some programs with HSC um, for adults with emotional disabilities, and just the, the difference, of transformation that can make. Just playing a game of football or doing something, then having a cup of tea afterwards, it can make a huge difference, you know. And um, for children, being able to s- go into school on Monday and saying, "I played football," I mean, they might be in a power chair, but they played football, so they're the same as their peers. So that you know, it's just the difference it must make to people's lives. I mean, I. I was sent to so I actually I was sent to you a good self today, Jerry. Um, I remember when we introduced blind golf way back years ago. I remember meeting the parents of two children who um were both visually impaired, and they they were playing golf the first time. And that lady, the man was in tears because she said she'd never seen her children participate in sport before. So mm. they're the things, you know. They're not huge. They're not number. You're not numbers. You're not getting 150 people participating in this, or it's not the primary school athletics. That's the things that make all the difference to people's lives, so
0: No, it, um, it is. It is fantastic work. And um, you, you talked earlier about COVID nineteen, and I was just wondering how did that affect the work of the, of the sports office? Because a, a lot of work, as you as you've been outlining, is is very much person to person.
2: Yeah, that was a huge. I, I suppose it transformed the the work we do instantly <laughs> almost we had to adapt an awful lot of our stuff so everything we did was as you said very much out in the community suddenly we were behind a screen the lads um we developed DigiFit Fingal DigiFit which was a series of 18 home exercise videos I do remember and um, when we started we kind of they were talking about the possibility that we could be working from home and we could be closing down. And I was talking to the lads and saying, "Look, what can we do?" You know. And they said, "Why don't we film some exercise videos?" And Marion, they're geared for everybody. So will you take part in them as well? And I was like, "Oh my God, yeah." So anyway, we started, and um s- since that, we we kind of grew so much along the in- online. um We have now we're. In March, we have online yoga. We have online fitness sessions. We have life fitness sessions. There's um, life fitness sessions for people with disability. We have life fitness sessions for pe- older adults. We have webinars, nutrition webinars, which are fantastic. Everything from eating on a budget to um, knowing what you should be eating. Um, the, the women in sport webinars, we've done a virtual marathon. We've done virtual orienteering. We've done old couch to 5K, so many different activities that we never thought we would ever have to either look at or do all online and available to everybody. The sports conditioning coaches redeveloped their sports con. So now they have 10 at 10, which is basically 10 exercises for 10 minutes done in the classroom. 10 sessions or 10 exercises. So they developed that so that it could go into schools when they couldn't go into schools. Then when the level five came and kids were off school, we just introduced it to any, um, it went through the schools and uh, individually to, to um, any young person that wanted to participate in it. And we've six to eight schools throughout the country participating in that programme at the moment. And the lads are planning a live um, one-off big hit just before the kids go back to school everybody participate in the 10 at 10 and just to add a, a, a uniqueness to it which um not my fault <laughs> um, <laughs> we've actually we're going to record in irish as well They just get my back turned and they do these things so yeah so this 10 at 10 live 10 at 10 is going to be recorded Irish for Gale schools so that we are inclusive of everybody hopefully that should be a bit of fun <laughs>
0: It should be. I, I, I mentioned at the top of the, um, the our conversation that you, you are retiring. I reckon you're going to miss it.
2: I'm going to miss it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I never thought I um I will find it very hard to let it go, but I will be keeping an eye on, you know, I'm still on the Facebook page, so they're not going to escape that much from me. But uh, it's wonderful to have been able to work in a job with people that are so dynamic and um, vibrant and kind of in a job that, you know, has made a difference to people.
0: Well, you were certainly an inspiration to them, Marion Brown. Um, thank you for everything you've done for, for Fingal. Uh, between between your 16 years in Scaries and your 19 years of Fingal County Council, I make that 35 years helping the communities of Fingal. So well done and all the best for your retirement. It's well deserved.
2: Ah, okay. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you.
0: So, that's it for Episode 7 of Inside Fingal. I do hope you enjoyed our conversation with Marion Brown and we wish her all the best in her well-deserved retirement. If you have any comments or suggestions in relation to the Inside Fingal podcast, please email podcast at fingal.ie. Remember, you can follow Fingal County Council on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn and also at fingal.ie. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye and stay safe.